Welcome, Formula One fans, to another edition of the Starting Grid Podcast. Jeez, I forgot what our podcast name was for a second. That was that's really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> that's that's a great start, Rome. Uh, although Max were stopping the Red, the Red Bull, both dominated the drivers and constructors championship. So before the season was over, twenty twenty two featured plenty of drama, which our friends on Netflix were keen to talk about and show to our great viewers around the world. Rome, your first thoughts to season five of Drive to Survive, which you recently just finished. Um, I thought it was very interesting, like the way they did it. I thought from past years, I feel like especially watching it back with my parents, not because I'm getting them into it. I feel like in prior seasons, they kind of like maybe painted drivers in the wrong picture. And that and that was kind of scrutinized throughout the community. I'm glad, and I'm glad that this season they sort of kind of like put that notion to bed and just strictly focus on like racing and performance and stuff that's happening. Well, there's still off track drama that's evident, especially towards the end, but the majority of the season was very like on track focused, which I actually liked a lot. And we're gonna talk about it, but there were there were definitely some things that they could have talked about a lot more because yeah. you wouldn't have had a 2022 season without these things happening like that was how bad it was at least for me but I thought I thought it did a good job of just kind of servicing Formula One fans needs before you step into the March 3rd to through 5th weekend which is happening in man like six seven days right now which is crazy but yeah i think i i i think for me it did a decent job and it did what it was supposed to do so good on netflix for that yeah no especially for like a new fan who wants to get into the sport i think that was kind of their target audience in this season because and it has been for all their seasons you know um but like fill in that that exclusive void that comes with the sport, you know, going backstage and behind the scenes with, you know, the likes of the scene with Bonotto and Gunther, you know, driving along in the car in Italy. Like that was a really cool uh, scene. Yes. We'll probably get into that a little bit later, but like just nice, you know, quotes and like sound bites from like in the paddock that you don't get to see like on race day. Um, that, I mean, at least Formula One fans don't get to see on the broadcast that I think it's pretty cool when, when the, when these sound bites come out. So I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily rip this a new one, but um, I do have my fair share of criticisms. But um, they they did their they did their job for the target audience. I will say that. So let's get into it, Rome. Ten episodes, and listen, it's always going to be hard to cover a whole season in just ten episodes. You know, like yeah. obviously you got to go through every single team, but like at the same time, it's like do you talk to every driver? They didn't talk to every driver. You know, um, yeah. There was a couple of grand prix i think i got a little bit too much attention and a couple that didn't get as much attention i wish they would but aside from the grand prix star things rome let's go to the driver's point of view to start this thing off okay you know netflix gave yuki sonoda a large spotlight and i'm not happy about it to be honest with you like Mm, okay alpha male episode eight like completely focusing in on yuki sonoda like are we just going to put this guy on a pedestal after his, his season, like from the past year? I get there's a lot of talk, talk about because, you know, he crashed a lot, spoiler alert, in 2022. But there's just, there's a couple of things as a Formula One fan now, an established Formula One fan that 
I think they overhighlighted him. Your thoughts on their 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 extensive coverage on Yuki Tsunoda? Yeah, I mean, you guys are the first people to know that I am probably the biggest Yuki Tsunoda hater on this entire planet. And like honestly, like I, I didn't have a problem with I I I don't know why I didn't have a problem with it. It was just you know because because I think it was before they showed Yuki. And they did the kind of the same thing with Ricardo too on a much bigger scale. I feel like with those two drivers specifically, they talked about them a lot because they were kind of tracked throughout the series anyway. Like, like I, I kept talking about when we talked about Yuki's struggles. I kept talking about the fact that like he hates working out and like those the the crummy Milton Keynes apartment that he had for like two weeks and then he moved out. Um, and then like that was part of it too. And then the Ricardo stuff. Like that was like in season one, they talked about Ricardo all the way up to five. So I thought from like that perspective, I'm like, okay, that's respectable. You want to keep it that traditional TV storyline character arc, quote unquote, if you will, of those two guys throughout the rest of the year. But like as as a fan of this season, watching this season, like you're right, Shane, they, they should not have talked about Yuki as much as they did. And they were like, oh, like, Oh, Yuki's supposed to be leader of the team next year. DeVries is gonna be sitting right behind him. I'm like, no, that's not what this is supposed to be, really. DeVries should beat Sonoda this year and pretty handedly. I'm gonna discuss that when we talk about our championship standing stuff, because we've kept teasing that throughout this whole time now. But he DeVries should beat Sonoda handedly. And I don't know why they're putting this narrative together of oh, Yuki's supposed to be this leader guy, da da da. But it's 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 not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> I will say, and and to throw you know a little bit of devil's advocate in here. Well, first of all, you know I think Netflix are looking for personalities in this series, yeah. and like the likes of Ricardo and Sonoda are like um, outspoken guys, you know. Yeah. And so like it helps when when you when you make a lot of funny comments in your personality, you know, and things like that with Ricardo and Sonoda. But I'll throw devil's advocate out here and say that like as well like i think they prioritize you know driver safety not only in the season like in the formula one season like the fia but like in this documentary like they they prioritize they prioritized like driver safety um the the cameras from i believe it was the japanese grand prix basically showed that the drivers couldn't see that sunday because of the rain and the spray from other cars you know i think Sebastian Middle had to quote some like visibility is close to none and then Albon says, fucking dangerous, you know, excuse my language, but uh, effing dangerous. I'll say that. I'll believe about the uh, U-C-K-I-N-G part of that. But uh, Fernando Alonso, too, asking his engineer to tell me all this info because I cannot see so much. So it's like in Japan, you had Monaco, too, where the radar kind of wasn't really matching up to what was actually going on in the rain um, on Sunday. So I think they prioritized, you know, safe driver safety. Um, especially with Joe Grandu's scary crash at Silverstone, you know I think that was shown in a pretty dramatic fashion. Um, so they they gave they gave um, they gave safety a number one 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 of the one of the, the biggest priorities. But I want to transition this now over to um, the team principal side of things, Rome, because um, it was spicy. Like you had you had Bonotto yes. and Steiner to open up the whole ep- the episode one with their drive through Italy and their wine tasting and things like that. Um, we learned that they have a, a good friendship, a good rapport, apparently. Um, so Stunner might miss him in the paddock next year. He'll probably be the only person who misses uh, Benotto, um, 
but <laughs> I, I digress. Um, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner, once again, making up a great rivalry. This year, they're clashing, though, centered on the porpoising issue that impacted various teams, including Mercedes. When all the team principals were gathered around, and this is probably one of my favorite clips from the whole the whole season, Rome, from all yes. season five, when... Yes, mine too. Horner's accusing Wolf of playing the cam- for the cameras and, and telling him that you got a problem to change your effing car. Like, um, Wolf wants changes to all the cars and the grids, excise the car's troublesome behavior, and um, he, he could say, he, I think he said something like, I can tell you that all of you are playing dangerous games, something like that. Um, if a car ends in the wall, and I'm paraphrasing this, um, it's too stiff or it's bottom out, um, you are in the SHIT, and I'm going to come after you. Um, so Total Wolf and Christian Horner make up you know, a great rivalry, but also the likes of um, Otmar at Alpine. Um, I think they discussed you know, his move from was it Aston Martin uh, to uh, Alpine, you know, his issues with uh, Daddy Stroll, uh, we like to call him on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but I think they did a nice good job covering the camaraderie between the some of the team principals and the hatred that others have towards one another. Um, your thoughts on the team principal side of things? Yeah, I want to I want to talk about that team principal meeting too because that, like you said, Shane, that was spicy. Like that was that was what we wanted in terms of the drama level that was there. And I'm like, you you couldn't have gotten a better content clip right there from all ten of those team principals in a circle with the F1 uh, president, Domenico, uh, Stefano Domenicali. That, that was just all very interesting. And to me, it felt like Toto was just kind of like taking his anger out on the rest of the team principals at that moment. Because you can tell at that point in the season, Mercedes were so desperate to get a result and to just get something. And you could tell behind his moves like they were all tactical. Like he was saying things that were like very like I don't want to say cultish, but like very like like very strategic and very like oh you guys are gonna play dangerous games if you do this. Like very like persuasive, I guess is the better word for that persuasive. Um, and like I love how Horner was just not taking it because uh, I'm not not having it because that's who he is. He's a guy that doesn't take stuff from just anybody around the paddock because he knows he's the top dog in the room and you don't play with the top dog and Toto was once that top dog so to get that type of dynamic between those two like you said Shane was incredible but I think we forget to mention that cost cap issue in episode nine because that was when the team principal drama was at its spiciest because you get it's it's almost like high school. Like these 10 team principals are in high school again, just with all of this drama unraveling between both of them. And it seemed like Toto, Zach Brown, and Mattia Bonotto were leading this charge, getting at Christian for the cost cap. And like, to me, like when we talked about it, I was like, at first I was like, whoa, like this is big. But then as, as it went, I was like, eh, they're probably not talking about it probably not a big thing like i'm just gonna move on from it but they really hold on honed honed in on this in the in that episode which was very interesting to me at least and yeah it was just it was just interesting it was just crazy from the jump and like 
that the whole group was just ganging up on each other and trying to get at Christian and like he was just like this unpopular guy like it it was just it was just too it was just too on the nose of what high school is with all the drama and stuff with all the unpopular kids and just people doing weird stuff all the time but and then it was I I got this quote from Zach which was very funny and if he was like if you dish that you got to be prepared to take it and to me that was very like reminiscent of who Horner is because as we've seen like he does all the tv show interviews he's the first one to say hey i'm i'm cool to do this interview with you guys i'm cool to do this little one-on-one thing with this tv network or whatever but he's he, he's got to prepare to take the criticism and the issues because like when he when he tries to get the criticism he normally just tries to flip it back onto them and then now zach's like this guy's just got to take it now because this guy thinks he's the top dog and thinks he's the man now but we got to kind of humble him a little bit. And I felt like all these team principals, especially at that time, were trying to humble him and trying to take a jab at him and, and try and see how many he would take from the fall. But it's like, it's Christian Horner, it's Red Bull, it's Max Verstappen, it's Sergio Perez. You're not going to take this team down at all. And I know we're going to talk about this probably later, but in testing today, they, they, they proved that they're still, once again, the top dog in the room. I think it goes to show you that Christian Horner, and he says it himself too, to quote him, he don't need no friends. Um, this man, <laughs> this man does not need any pals. He doesn't want um, buddies in the paddock. He's not there looking for a companion like there's that dynamic between Steiner and Bonotto. But yeah, let's be honest. Like, Mercedes won. Like, let's not forget that Mercedes won eight straight constructors championships. Like during his time at Red Bull, like during Horner, like this Horner was there when Toto dominated and, and Mercedes dominated. So like, like you had one good year, buddy, but like, come on now, like you're speaking like you're Michael Jordan after you won your sixth championship, like pipe well, down I mean, a he's, bit, Well, Shane, say. Shane, this man's probably going to get a three-peat this year. Like this guy already won a, two driver championships driver's championship, and a constructor's. Yeah. So, like, I think it's Red Bull's turn to take over now. I, I, I think that's what it is. We can't just Mercedes bias our way out of this one, Shane. We need to be realistic here. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah, he doesn't need no friends. And, listen, Zach Brown was the main vocal personality against Red Bull overspending. He went from – corner, that is. He went from – denying the accusation that the FIA um, accused, or I guess the paddock confused, uh, accused Red Bull of, of going over to spend a limit. So after once after the FIA confirmed uh, that they had gone over the spend limit, he downplayed it to what he called a miscalculation. So I get that the overspend was only 0.6 of a percent, which was $400,000, but, and he says, oh, really has that made the difference? But like, at the end of the day, there's set, there's a cap there for the reason now, and I don't know. It's it's just I, I ultimately they of course find a couple million bucks and they lost ten percent reduction, I believe, in aerodynamic testing over a twelve month period. I think it was, but um, Red Bull got away with some with some sketchy stuff in twenty twenty one. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, but we'll, oh I digress. So we'll this move is on. this is the, okay, Shane. I'm gonna like get on you for this. Like this Mercedes right. bias is seething right. right now. Like we need to chill. Like 
Max won the championship in 2021. Yes. We're going to put that to bed. Asterisk, and that's the yeah. end of the story. Um, I mean, we're, it's, it's what's going to happen now. And I, to me on that situation, though, I, I, I do believe Christian when he says that. Because if it's $400,000, I mean, I mean, I get it. You overreached the cap. Okay, fine. But it's like it's four thousand. It's four hundred thousand dollars. Like it's not that far because people were making it out to them as like they went way over the cap. And I'm like, four hundred thousand people. Like I, it was, it was very, it was very. I, I, it was very interesting to know. I do agree with what Christian said and the way he handled it, it was. I mean, uh, from the punishment, he didn't handle it that well. But I think I just, I mean. I think I just probably like Christian anyway because he's a good team principal all the time and he just yeah. like does great things for Red Bull. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not really mad at anything he does really unless it's something really bad. So I'm not mad at it at all, all right. honestly. So let's now get into some of our criticisms, Rome. Because I think it's safe to say that Netflix skipped some vital storylines from George Russell's first win at Sao Paulo or limited coverage of Kevin Magnuson's poll in Brazil as well. But also... The radio row controversy, and this is probably what I'm most disappointed in. Oh, really? I didn't even think did of not that. include was the controversy between Red Bull teammates Max Verstappen and Sergio oh. Perez. Okay, like I get that it was a little bit minute, and it was towards the back end of the season, but like that's what I want. Like I want the drama. Like that's why you put the cameras in the in, in the back rooms, and and that's why you you mic these guys up for these moments, like. This is your calling card, Netflix. I'm shocked they didn't use this to their advantage, Rome. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, but like, I, I am perplexed that Netflix not use that, you know, to their advantage. Like I mentioned, for one, Netflix barely featured Sebastian Vettel, which I don't know was to Vettel's uh, permission. But like, in his final season, a four-time world champion who has been vocal about the issues he cares about, including you know environmental and human rights issues, like. He's the guy who wore the same love pride shirt at the 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix, you know, hosts a woman only a car in event in Saudi Arabia, highlighted different communities, climate crises. Like, this is a guy that I think Netflix would want to promote. Um, and he barely got any coverage. Um, yeah. Also, they declined to feature various cases of verbal and online abuse. Um, you know, Max Verstappen, uh, the abuse that he got after Brazil. Um, Leno Norris is says that he received death threats online um, and the hate that he and his now ex-girlfriend, I guess, re uh, received. But the criticism that, you know, social media has been, you know, whether that be by racial abuse, sexist abuse, anti-LGBTQ plus abuse, hurled at some fans during the Austrian Grand Prix weekend, like, it, it disappointed me, you know? So, I, I, there was, there was definitely some things, you know, that I think kind of they brushed under the, 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 the belt, you could say, what was one of your biggest disappointments, Rome? I think just to echo your points, like, I mean, like I've been saying, I didn't, I, I didn't think of those points, but I thought you brought up some great points and it made me think like, oh, maybe if they would have put that there, it would have made sense there, but I, I I do agree with you that Brazil should have gotten a lot more airtime, should have probably gotten an episode worth of time. I think 
especially in episode seven where they talk about Checo and the quote-unquote controversy with him possibly leaving but staying after he wins at Monaco. I thought that was not needed at all. I think you could have put that episode in a bunch of other different ways that would have made it better. You could have made it a Brazil episode. You could have made it a whole bio about Seb and like put the cameras in like his house or something or did like a tour with Seb or did some like all access stuff with Seb. Like they could have gone so many other different areas with that episode and and they just didn't do it for whatever reason. I mean, then again, it all goes back to, oh, like, how do we please the new fan? And that, I mean, I mean, we, we both, I can speak for both of us when we say we digress because that's what got us doing this in the first place. So I, I mean, I get it from that perspective, but it's like, come on, look guys, like you're, you're, you're wasting so much beautiful content that's just sitting right there in front of you and you're not going to capitalize, capitalize on it. Like, it's just so sad, but I do, I do want to like, end my point with this though, because I do feel like, especially when they talk about K-Mag's poll and qualifying, like they could have gotten the shot with him on the top of the halo in the garage celebrating like that could have been probably the sickest shot in the whole show's history in all five seasons just him in the garage on top of the halo doing the pump fist like that's what you want to see in that scenario and we didn't get it so to me that was kind of disappointing got you up my bro on that point um let's now get into um some of like you i think you brought this up a little bit earlier but drive to survive kind of bidden farewell to its star daniel ricardo but also as an anti-hero rises um somewhat in the team principles but also with the likes of fernando alonso you could even say yuki sonoda as an anti-hero um but like favorite moments i want to kind of get into too like i I do appreciate how they covered silly season. You, a lot of people called it. Uh, a lot of people call it like um, because it is such a big part of Formula One, right? At, towards the back end of the season, there's always you know talks going under 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 the table. You could say money be ex- money money being exchanged. Um, the great quote from uh, Steiner telling K Mag how Ricardo wanted ten f and million to join Haas, um, and so. You know, the period of time where drivers and even team principals kind of played musical chairs to settle that next season's driver lineup room. I, I, I will give them a little bit of props there, but I want to get into a favorite edit and favorite moment right now from Driver Survive. For me, I'll start off with this one. Okay. Favorite edit has to be in the first episode where they have the Ferrari 1 2 in Bahrain, and then there's Max Verstappen, or maybe it's Paris getting out of his car um, at the reliability issues. Um, And it's just, it was such a clean edit. If you're listening to this, you you probably know what I'm talking about, but it's when they're coming around a corner and it's Leclerc and and Sainz and they're one and two, and then there's a Red Bull car off to the side. And and, uh, it's either Sainz, it's either Paris or Verstappen getting out of their car. And I just thought that was such a clean edit from Netflix. Like, I've seen that on so many TikToks already. Like people are just like transi- using transitions from like um, that 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 clip from Netflix. So that's probably be my favorite edit. And then the favorite moment, it's just tough for me. Um, let me think about this for a little bit. Um, 
I mean, it always leads back to Hamilton for me, um, it seems. Um, so I'm going to go with favorite moment, probably the coverage that they had of of him, you know, embracing the fact that he had a poor season. Like, I'm glad that they didn't just brush that aside necessarily. I'm glad they didn't, you know, use quote-unquote bias, you know, from, from a Hamilton's point of view. You know, like, they admitted that, and he admitted to, like, and they showed the coverage of him, and then it was a terrible season for Hamilton. So, but also right up there is the likes of, you know, Gasly and Sonoda sending hello by Adele. Um, that was hilarious. Um, in a vineyard uh, hanging out with Steiner and uh, Gunther that is and, and Mateo Benotto so there's a lot of great moments but what was your favorite moment and maybe do you have a favorite clip room from Judge Survive I think my favorite edit wasn't actually on track it was uh, when they interviewed Piastri when he came back and they and he said hey uh, I'm, I'm back and I'm, a, and, I'm, and I'm a McLaren driver now and they switched his title that was so sick. I was like, oh my God, I'm reliving this drama all over again. Like, cause at first they had the title as Alpine reserve driver and then they did like a swoop sound and then a ding at the end. And it was the 2020, like a McLaren driver 2023. So that was really sick. Um, And then I have like a bunch of like really, really great quotes, um, particularly from my man, the man, the myth, the legend that is himself, Will Buxton. The great, great insider. To I'll say, I'll say one it. content. I'll say it real quick. Don't, don't get too critical of this man because I'm trying to get him on this podcast. But fire away. No, no, no I'm not going to be critical. I'm, I'm praising right. this quotes. Yeah. I'm not getting critical at all. Like I love this all guy. Right. Like I've loved this don't guy from the him. jump. Yeah, all I've right. loved this guy from the jump. But I, I think like one of the funniest quotes about like because he was talking about porpoising. And in episode two, he's like, it's, it looks like you're listening to ACDC. I was like, oh, my God, that analogy makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. When Russell's just going like in this. my head, I'm imagining these, like, these, like, emo rockers with the hair spiked down just going like this the whole time. Or that, like, Austin, Austin Powers clip where they're on the car and they're going like this. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that just immediately switched, like, my imagination, which is funny. And then... um. He said like a very like cutthroat, but also true quote about Mick Schumacher, which was, if you're in a car that can score points and you're not scoring points, then it's not the car, is it? I was like, oh my God, this man just went in. It was crazy. Um, but like a couple more quotes that were funny to me when the sign says, oh, I'm going to go in full Latino mode. That was hilarious. Um <laughs> And then one was one that was kind of adorable to me was when um, Mick was in Silverstone and he got I think it was like P nine or P eight it was P eight in Silverstone mm -hmm. and he was uh, and like he, he I think he just passed someone and he was about to try and fight Max in the last lap and he was like let's go get him and he said it in this like adorable kid sounding like voice and like he as he if, as if he was like Super Mario which was like very adorable. And then Fernando Alonso, this guy just always brings the quotables immediately. Um, and then he's, and then he said like, 
Uh, he said, oh, I, he's like, I'm okay with being on the dark side. I was like, man, this dude is Darth Vader in real life. <laughs> like, this dude is, this dude is like guy, yeah. ready, just ready to be like this man that's just different from everybody else. And he's okay with that. And I'm like, I, I, I mean, I respect him for that. I really do. So mm. the, there were like, you could have picked so many different quotables from this year that yeah. could have sufficed but those are just some of my favorites for this for this season yeah it's definitely you know like the the time that they release it it just gets me excited for the season obviously we've had some preseason testing which i guess we can end up the podcast with like i'm never like and like I, i'm saying never i've been a formula one fan for like two seasons now but like i'm never going to like pay too close attention to preseason tests and obviously it's like it's it matters but like we've seen the likes of mercedes in 2021 um come out and say that like oh the car is terrible um and then and and, and they go and show that it's it was the w13 was one of the best cars although they didn't win the driver's championship it was one of the best cars in their in their history so you know obviously the quotes that come out of, of and the quotes in the in, in the actual driving that come out of testing don't always you know match what comes then during the season but what have been your thoughts so far on testing um obviously it's great seeing all these new liveries out on the track for the first time in Allen Bahrain but it gets serious in a couple of days room we get practice one you know three four days from now on time of recording so I'm just I'm super pumped for for practice to get underway and, and it's race week you know on monday yeah i'm i'm super super excited for what's going to come out of this and i feel like some of the storylines that i'm reaching out to is obviously red bull is top dog again i mentioned i mentioned this already like red bull is looking for a three-peat this year in driver's championships with max Verstappen. like that team is going to be scary like Although, like, the regulations wanted closer races, like, it's still, like, one team is the team of an era. And Red Bull is now, once again, taking that reins again from Mercedes. As as much as y'all can, you know, complain, it's just facts. At the end of the day, my Mercedes fans out there, like, it's just facts. Like, this guy's already won two world championships. He's going to go go for a third and probably win it again. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but Ferrari could actually finally fix their mistakes. Like they had a decent test and like, although the midfield didn't show a lot of great testing, like they should be okay. Aston Martin surprised me because I thought they'd be on the back foot, but they, they once again found a way to develop that car, especially towards the second half of last season and really continued that throughout the off season into testing. So that was kind of interesting to me. And then Williams, like this, like this team shocked me. Like, I I mean, even though I, even though I say all the time, like, oh, they're going to like shock the world. But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, they're going to probably still be back of the grid. Like it's too good to be true. Like Sergeant Albon put together great test times that put the paddock on notice. And they're like, okay, I see you, Williams. You're, you're starting, you're starting to creep up again. Okay. We're going to, we're going to look out for you now. We're going to, we're going to find ways to beat you now. And I feel like that makes it fun for everyone in the paddock to kind of size up their competition and be like, okay, I know where you're at. How can we beat you? 
and you're top dog. So we can't beat you, but we could try. So it's just all of these different things that kind of come into play and it's just exciting. And it all leads up to Bahrain and just about a week from now. So I'm just all excited for everything, man. I can't wait to do these qualifying recaps with you again and race recaps and can't wait, man. 23 races, man. It's about to get lit. Can't wait. Well, 23 races in the calendar year of 2023. I think that is very fitting. Um, but like you said, Rome, looking forward to just recapping Formula One every, you know, two weeks or so once again, you know, for the next couple of months, you know, until November. It's just it's a it's a it's a void that's been, you know, out out of out of our, you know, lifestyles recently and now we're getting back into the routine of things. So I'm really excited for that. But before we wrap up here, I know we only have four minutes left because of this Zoom timer, which don't get me started about. Um Give me, write me a headline. I know this is kind of going into our qualifying episodes a little bit, but write me a headline before Bahrain. What are, what are you looking for? Like, give me like a three or four word headline or maybe like a sentence headline um, going into Bahrain, I guess that would be. I mean, I just talked about it. Williams are back. Sargent's going to be him. Uh, Albon's going to oh, be him. Wow. This team, this team is going to shock a lot of people, and they've already been showing that it's testing. I know we shouldn't put too much into it because testing is like spring training of F1, basically. But Williams is coming for y'all. Y'all better be ready. Y'all better be ready. I'll just I'll put that out there right now. For me, it's Alpine versus McLaren rivalry begins. Um, we saw the drama between the likes of Piastri, of course. Um, what happened during the summer with him um, and the quotes coming out from Alpine that he was signed and then Piastri tween that he wasn't and then ended up joining their direct rival McLaren. And I think, you know, it's it, Otmar says, you know, it was interesting when Otmar said, I wrote, I think McLaren would have rather had Pierre Gasly. Um, that was actually one of the interesting quotes from Dyer to Survive um, than signing a guy like P, uh, Piastri. So I think that's going to fuel Piastri to keep on going. So for me, it's, McLaren establishes themselves as best of the rest going forward. Um, mm. And I'm really excited to see that rivalry because there is some spiciness between Otmar um, and Zach Brown, in my opinion, because of Piastri, who is, like you mentioned from the last podcast, probably one of the best quote-unquote prospects we've seen in Formula 1, probably since Max Verstappen. Like, he can be that good. Um, at least that's what Christian Horner believes, you know? So that's... I think something that's going to bond these two teams together for the next couple of years. And, you know, who, who dare I say McLaren can make a big three, a big four, you know, in the next couple mm. of years. So that's my headline going into Bahrain, but we'll be back with you guys discussing our championship and constructors preview and predictions. Uh, the episode we've all been waiting for going to try to get Mia back on and Shathan for that episode. I think that'd be a lot of fun, add a little bit more creativity to it. Um, I know they've been watching Drivers Survive too, but listen, it was a fun season five. It provided us entertainment, whatever, you know, things you criticized of it. Um, at the end of the day, we all watched it still. Um, so Netflix made their money. Um, we can all go home happy. So uh, looking forward to Bahrain, Rome. Looking forward to the first race weekend of the season. But we will see you very soon for the Drivers and Constructors Championship predictions. See you next time. Stop it.